I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Creature Feature, a safari through the consciousness of animals and man, finding the common threads that bind together all living creatures. I'm Katie Golden. I studied psychology and evolutionary biology at Harvard, and I pretend to be a frustrated bird on Twitter. Today on Creature Feature, we'll be talking about how both animals and humans go to dramatic lengths to get crunk off their butts. It's reefer madness as we find out what drug junkie dolphins are hitting rock bottom for. Where are the bird mothers against drunk flying? Why are scientists creating a butterfly sex potion? Also, we find out about the Bermuda Triangle of Death that all the otter teens are dying to explore. Discover this and more as we answer the age-old question, what's the grossest alcoholic beverage in the world, and why did my guests drink enough of it to get lit? So, first I want to talk about flying. It's kind of scary, especially because you're at the mercy of a human pilot. Whenever the pilot comes on over the speakers to give an announcement, I'm always searching for vocal cues of something wrong, like, does he sound stressed, anxious, angry? Well, my absolute nightmare would be if he sounded drunk. Even though you shouldn't mix flying and drinking, we're about to find out that some humans and animals do. In fact, one such pilot has become a master of flying under the influence. Creature Feature starts right now. So, Robert, do you fly much? Yes. Good. Well, do you ever, like, fantasize about flying cars and why we don't have them yet in a glorious future where all cars are just flying around? No, you know, I I drive a lot. I've probably driven up and down California alone more than anyone who's not a truck driver. I've put about 120,000 miles on my car in the last two years. So I have very little faith in the mm. driving ability of most people, mm-hmm. and I have even less faith in their ability to pilot uh, a flying car. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. That's what always gets me when it's like uh, you see like Star Wars or The Fifth Element with Bruce Willis. Uh, it, you know, if any asshole like Bruce Willis can just fly a car, 
the consequences of drunk drivers is just way, way, way worse. Oh my god, it's a night. And think about terrorism. Like, yeah, <laughs> like we're already having this problem because people can buy guns. But right. what if you let people buy like a two-ton flying bullet that they can crash into anything? Like, what do you? How do you right. regulate that? Or like a drunk terror? Would it? Would it cancel it out? Like, if it was a drunk terrorist, would they? Would they be like, I'm trying to terrorism, but I'm too drunk? I mean, I think in that case, alcohol's kind of the hero of the story. Mm. Yeah. It's like zero dark 30, but instead of a bunch of CIA guys, yeah. it's like a bottle of Jim Bean. Instead of John Krasinski, who's now always the hero, it's just alcohol. Yeah. When did when did he get abs? I don't know. Because they, they look angry in everything I've seen of him now, like furious abs. We never did see his bare chest in the office, so maybe they've always been there. I mean, no, you can tell. You can see in his eyes that he doesn't right. have impressive abs in the right. office. The, yeah. the faint reflection of the abs that should be there mm-hmm. weren't in his eyes at that time. But flying cars. Flying cars. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, like, we're all very, we have wishful thinking about flying cars, but, you know, you got you got drunk people like Hayden Christensen jumping out of a car and everybody going, great, now there's no driver in that car. It's just going to crash into an orphanage. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like the that scene is like <laughs> there's so many questions I have about how traffic control works in right. Coruscant. Like, what is the organization? Right. Even? Do Jedi not have to go to traffic school? Well, I don't – like, what's shocking about that is that nobody reacts as if it's a big deal. Right. Like, the other dr- – like, it's it's like – They must it's like, see it all the time. Yeah, which is terrifying. Right. Like, everyone's hyped up on death sticks and jumping out of their cars and everything's crashing around. And, you know, maybe the Empire wasn't such a bad idea. Yeah, I think you would probably start to hunger for, like, an authoritarian dictator right. after, like, living in suicide traffic for that long. Right. Just to stop these awful flying cars from smashing into everything as soon as someone like 420s that day. Yeah, yeah. No, that seems like a night. Although I got to say, like, when you talk about drinking or smoking in flying cars, that's when I want them. Right. Because I I love going out in the middle of nowhere on like a friend's land in like a Jeep or an old truck and just Mm -hmm. getting wrecked on painkillers and liquor and doing donuts and stuff and driving through fields of trash with like just old beater cars. It's the most fun in the world. Yeah. So if you could like have like a safe flying car driving area. That doesn't sound like you could. (laughs) Well, but as long as you're the only person who can die. Just a bunch of pillows around. Well, if you die, it's fine. (laughs) You're choosing to take that risk. Right, right. There just needs to be a bit way where it's like, you can come out here and do stupid things in a flying car while you're ripped to shit. Right. And nobody will get killed other than maybe you. Right, right. Yeah, like that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, well, this is why I'm having you on this podcast about vices and animals. And speaking of which, uh, birds totally go the full uh, Star Wars route and they drink and fly all the time. So like in the winter, they will, uh, the, the berries freeze and then sort of the in, insides of the berries ferment and brew into like a little jello shot. And the birds eat these so and get wasted. It's like the bird equivalent of those like semi-frozen margarita Oh, the, yeah. Those little slushy packs yeah, that you yeah, buy yeah. In the, at Ralph's or the yeah, grocery store. Yeah, yeah, those are nasty. Yeah, they're terrible, but at the same time, they're, I mean, I'm a big fan of like uh, that kind of drinking, like, yeah. like fruit drinking for when you're like walking around a city. Yeah, the but, drinking that you immediately regret before the alcohol has even hit your system 
Yeah, but you want, like, the reason I think the birds are being smart in their drunk flying choices is that if you're going to be out in the world getting really wrecked in the middle of the day and then, like, navigating a city, you want not just alcohol, but you want sugars and salts and, and right. some, some carbs. Electrolytes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's a smart way to city drink. Gatorade up your booze, people. Yeah. It's safe. No, when we, I was wandering around San Francisco with a couple of friends last week, and we, we took a camel back, and we filled it half full of tequila and half full of frozen lime popsicles. Right. And that's basically the same thing, except yeah. where we were on the ground. Yeah, you're being birds. Yeah, we were being birds. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've got a great a great quote here uh, okay. from Megan Larivey, who's the laboratory coordinator at the government agency Environment Yukon in Canada, where these birds are getting crunk. She says, uh, most birds likely just get a bit tipsy and very few people would be able to pick them out as intoxicated. However, every now and then some birds just overdo it. And when they overdo it, they like crash into buildings and die. (laughs) Well, yeah, but you got to weigh that against how much fun they're having. That's true. And it sounds like a lot. It's a wild five minutes and then a sudden invisible force field death for the bird. Well, you say this is in the Yukon, right? Yeah, that's right. It's interesting because I know that very cold places have way higher rates of alcohol abuse than places that Mm. are not very cold because there's nothing else to do when it's that cold but drink a lot. Right. You can't like go to the beach, so you got to get wasted on drunk berries. Yeah. So I wonder if that's the same for animals as people. It's like both when we're like stuck in a frozen wasteland, it's like, well, I guess I'm just going to drink myself (laughs) to death. It's better than another winter. Well, there was an entire flock of uh, bohemian waxwings that went on a bender, and they had to go to an a recovery unit, like an animal recovery unit, where they were like, wow, these birds, are they need some fluids. and uh, <laughs> Just eggs and coffee. <laughs> <laughs> their beaks were, like, stained with berries. Um, <laughs> and the, the workers at the animal recovery unit were like, their movements are uncoordinated, and they struggle to fly. <laughs> oh, poor guy. No, they need some of those little hangover cure shots you get from the CVS. Yeah. Yeah. Do those work? Yeah, they're like it's just caffeine and acetaminophen, so it's the same as oh, okay. when you, people take coffee and right. aspirin in the morning. I didn't. So, does caffeine actually help with hangovers, or does it just wake you up? I mean, it makes you don't feel as bad. Like caffeine doesn't sober you yeah. up if you're still drunk from the night before. But if you like wake up feeling like garbage after a night of drinking, I always find that I feel better after coffee. Interesting. I, I get wrecked by caffeine. It destroys me. It makes me feel like I've like my heart is gonna fail isn't that how everyone feels all the time (laughs) yeah (laughs) moving on so i used to have a phobia of flying i hated it just the idea like we shouldn't be in the air we're defying gods we're spitting in jesus's face by doing this that's the best thing about flying (laughs) is like Looking down at, at God and being like, yeah, yeah, that's right, motherfucker. Screw you, God. You can't tell me what to do. We figured this shit out. We could bomb Mount Olympus right now if we wanted You're to. You're not my mom, God. Yeah. So drunk pilots is a recent thing I started worrying about when I was reading mm-hmm. about drunk bird. I was, I was like, I wonder if I wonder if pilots get drunk. And How like, could they not? I, I know. And they do. Mm-hmm. They do. All, like, I mean, not all the time, but occasionally- and occasionally it's bad when you're flying a plane. Well, I don't know. The documentary flight made me think that mm. sometimes it works out for the better. Mm. Well, you know, we're gonna we're gonna get back to that, Robert. <laughs> okay. I have a I have a fun a, a fun story about that. Oh good. 
Um, but first, let's go to let's go to Russia because that's oh where. Oh boy! Like, oh boy! I mean, they really love fulfilling stereotypes, and I get to say this because I'm like sort of half Russian. You've so. got that classic Russian red hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the classic Jewish Russian who got kicked out because of the pogroms. <laughs> yeah, that's a rough. It's <laughs> a rough ancestry um, right there. So I'm gonna I'm gonna dump on Russia right now. Uh, and so, like, there's been a few instances of drunk pilots causing crashes in Russia in 2011. A uh, drunk navigator was found to be partially responsible for a crash that killed 47 people. Partially? Yeah, partially. Partially? Maybe. Which part? <laughs> <laughs> there was, like, a mechanical failure, but if the navigator hadn't been drunk, he probably could have, like, worked around the issue. But instead, he was just, like panicking and didn't didn't help the situation i had something similar happen in my truck while i was mm. drunk with a cigarette lighter and a blunt so yeah i get, I get it you get like, it i get it we yeah. can all relate to that yeah yeah uh so back in 2009 again in russia there was a mutiny uh on board a, a plane uh oh so boy the p- <laughs> oh, oh boy! So um, I just love that it's in Russia because just imagining a bunch of like angry babushkas on a plane like so good. But I have trouble imagining a group of Russians like a, a, like who the, aren't angry. Well, yeah, because like you would imagine it's like a murder of crows and like a fury of Russians. <laughs> exactly. So they're on an aerofloat. I don't know if I'm doing that right, but it's fine. I think it's Aeroflot, but I don't, Aeroflot? Really know. I, I don't really know. I think uh, I've heard it sometimes. So before the plane had taken off, when they're still on the tarmac, uh, passengers noticed that the pilot, Alexander Chaplevsky, was stumbling, slurring his speech, and according to passengers, he kept repeating the words, duration of the flight. I see. That's sober. That's sober profiling. That's just that's sober profiling. That's all that yeah. is. It's you know you you. That's not fair. Like we've right. Pl- plenty of capable people slur their words, stumble around, and repeat the same phrase a lot of times. Well, when I get nervous, I sometimes just say like duration of the flight, duration of the flight. Yeah, maybe he just didn't like it's public mantra. speaking. It's a mantra. It's a mantra meaning like like you only have to get through this for the duration of the flight. Yeah, I'm on this guy's side so far. <laughs> Well, the flight crew would agree with you because they were telling the passengers to settle down and to stop making trouble. And the passengers, <laughs> like you're talking to Russians who have done like several revolutions. Yeah, don't ever tell Russians to stop <laughs> making trouble. <laughs> um, and so they continued to rabble. And then Aeroflot representatives came onto the flight to address the issue. And the Moscow Times quotes one of the representatives as saying, it's not such a big deal if the pilot is drunk. Really, all he has to do is press a button and the plane flies itself. The worst that could happen is he'll trip over something in the cockpit. See, I'm 100% on board with the company now. That's that's the kind of straight talking that you want right. from a multinational These planes corporation. fly themselves. Yeah, it's easy to fly. Like, well, it, it's fine if he's drunk. Right. If he's drunk, right, it's right, fine. Right. Yeah. But it continued to get worse because the passengers did not take that boilerplate company response and why i don't know they were fussy real fussy jesus uh and so captain chaplevsky uh attempted to bargain with the angry passengers reportedly saying 
I'll sit here quietly in a corner. We have three more pilots. I won't even touch the controls. I promise. I'm thinking now that their policy is to have four pilots per flight just because they right. st- at least half of them are going to be wasted. Like right, We right. just know that. you got to get one sober guy. Statistically, it's called the yeah. Stoliknaya um, rule. Yeah, so yeah. at least one of them will be so hungover that he can't keep drinking. Right, and right, that's, right. And that's the sober pilot. Right, right. Yeah. It's, it's like having multiple doctors on call because one of them is going to be sleepy. A Russian pilot's going to be drunk at, at any given point. Yeah. So finally, a first-class passenger was able to convince the airline to bring in an entirely new crew, and she happened to be a Russian celebrity whose father has ties to Putin. Well, so. okay, I guess, you know, this ties into my grand theory of rich people ruin everything, because I bet without <laughs> first class, all of the people in third class and all the drunk pilots would have had a really cool yeah, flight. Yeah, just like, just like booze playing. Chilling out, like, fuck yeah. it, break out some cigars, let's turn this into a flying bar. It's not a party until someone says, wait, who's flying the plane right now? <laughs> Well, they fly themselves. You heard. You yeah, heard you the, just push a button. The Moscow Times. Yeah. It's the plane fly button, wing stay on button, plane fly button. <laughs> you don't want to mix those two up. Right. <laughs> They're right next to each other. So even after this, the airline continued to insist that the pilot had not been drunk and that he hadn't tested positive for alcohol. Uh, and now they're claiming he developed high blood pressure as a result of all the complaints and the stress of the news and stuff, which is funny because high blood pressure is, there's a medical link between repeated binge drinking and high blood pressure, so not... I mean, okay, all right, let's, <laughs> let's, let's be fair to this guy. Right. Uh, first off... If Let's, there's a yeah. better place to drink than a plane, I haven't found it because right. I love getting drunk on planes. Yeah. And I don't see why piloting one should make you immune to the fun of getting drunk on a plane. Especially if it's a one-button plane. Yeah. It's one of those easy one-button planes. Right, right. Why not? Why not? Why I not? I think people need to lighten up. Uh, well, after that incident, Russian investigators looked into a 1994 Aeroflot crash that found the pilot had uh, alcohol in his system um, at the time, all they knew was that he had allowed his 15-year-old son to take over the controls. Cool dad. And subsequently, the plane crashed and killed all those on board. I wonder why. I don't know. That sounds like one of those mysteries with no solutions. I mean, kids got to learn somehow. Yeah. Like, like if yeah. not that flight, another flight. Yeah. I feel like we hold pilots to too high a standard just because hundreds of other people get killed if they make a mistake. Yeah. That doesn't seem fair to me. That's unfair. Yeah. Yeah. The du- the double standard, really. Yeah. Um, so, you know, is this a big problem? Should no. we be afraid to fly? Well, of course, you wouldn't think it's a big problem, even if it was. Like, even if 90% of pilots were drunk, you'd be on, on board with that. I mean, I just, I feel like people get too worried about what's going to kill them and not worried enough about having a fun time on a plane. Right, right. Yeah. Yo, YOLO, you only... Land l- once. Land <laughs> once. <laughs> um, so... This isn't something you should worry about, at least in the U.S., because in 2015, 10 out of 12,400 U.S. pilots uh, failed a random alcohol test. So according to that study, if I'm good at math, which I am not, you have a 0.0008% chance of getting on board with a drunk pilot. 
Don't DM me if my math is wrong. I that, apologize. That also means that only point zero zero eight percent of pilots are rad. Mm. They're yeah. So that's yeah. that's a sobering statistic. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier uh, Denzel Washington in Flight. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watch it every day. Who just who rocked it? He he drank. He was drunk and he's doing coke too. Yeah, yeah. John Goodman's coke. Yeah, and he landed that plane. Damn right he did. He he, he, he barrel rolled that he plane. He crushed it. Yeah, nailed it. And if you want a pilot like that, you should look to New World species of bats. Um, okay. So researchers uh, were wondering if bats get drunk, can they still echolocate? That's a great question to ask. Yeah, like these researchers just probably vaping and being like, man, drunk bats, could they still use their little clicky things? I imagine it's a guy sitting next to his friend in the car spending 10 minutes to get Google Maps to work. Right. I'm like, I got it. Oh, I'm so good at this. I bet I'm better than bats at this. <laughs> <laughs> so they collected about 100 Belize native bats and either gave them sugar or ethanol uh, they measured the bats' blood alcohol levels, and some of the bats had blood alcohol levels as high as like 0. 0.3, I believe. That's impressive. Yeah, I believe the uh, the limit is 0. 0.008. To drive. Yeah. 0. 0.08 to drive. 0. 0.08. Yeah. Um, I'm bad at those zeros. At at three, you are. Yeah. You are not just drunk, but like. Flammable. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, a tinderbox. Maybe you need to go to the hospital. <laughs> if you're in California, you'll start a fire. Yeah. So they, they're like, all right, they're good and drunk now. Then they set them loose on an obstacle course. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is my kind of it's science. Like, <laughs> just like, now a physical challenge, go. And to their great surprise, the bats nailed it. They did. They There was no significant impairment either in their echolocation or their ability to navigate this obstacle course. So we should let hordes of bats loose on planes and yes. hope they hit the one button. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Okay. yes. Do okay. that. I'm on yes, board. yes, yes. I'm on board. Yes. So this isn't the case for all bats. Some bats will get drunk and then just not not be good at flying anymore. But apparently with the uh, New World bats, they have a really high tolerance. Yeah, you run into a lot of cases of animals that like seek out, like it's it's a sensible evolutionary strategy to seek out uh, alcohol in mm-hmm. fruit because if fruit has started to ferment, then it means that it's at its most calorically dense because it's yeah. got it, it's the ripest it's going to get, which is why like there's this animal, the pintailed tree shrew, which is like a, a, a mammal that scientists think is pretty close to like one of the common ancestor species that humans and apes share, like yeah. one of the early primates. Um, and they will drink all day, every day, because they drink this fruit that ferments really, really quickly, this yeah. like palm nectar. Um, but they don't get drunk. But right. they, th- we think that like scientists think that some animal like them seeking out alcohol because it had a shitload of calories is why human beings and monkeys yeah. can metabolize alcohol and get drunk off of it because yeah. our bodies sort of adapted to take in more alcohol, and that's like being getting wasted is a happy side effect, <laughs> um, which is cool. It's a side effect to survival. Mm-hmm. Survival of the littest, hashtag Darwin. Oh, shit. That's good. <laughs> Bats can hold their liquor, but what differentiates a lightweight from a beer pong master in humans? It turns out there's something of a drunk gene. 
Researchers have found out that alcohol tolerance variants can be linked to differences in the CYP2E1 protein found in DNA, which might explain why you're gone after a single beer, whereas others can drink five shots off an ice luge. But being a lightweight actually has its benefits. Those that have a greater tolerance for alcohol are at a greater risk of developing alcoholism. While a link between the CYP2E1 protein and alcoholism has not yet been established, there's a possibility that further research could open up new avenues for treatment through gene therapy. Hey brah, hold my beer! We're gonna do a few messages and we'll return to the partay. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry, though. He's fully recovered. <sighs> Good one, Dad. <sighs> Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon, and it saved me a lot of dough. Well, the truth is, Dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Snopes, the internet rumor debunking website, has a treasure trove of drug-related myths. Some of my favorites are school kids crushing up bedbugs and smoking or injecting them to get high? False. 
But what about this? Are kids rubbing Bert's bees lip balm on their eyelids to get high, which the kids dub beesin? False. What about sham boiling? Are kids boiling shampoo and inhaling the fumes to get high? Well, no, they're not. Uh, what about this? Did excessive LSD use leave a young man in a psychiatric hospital with the delusion that he was a glass of orange juice, where his biggest fear is that someone will drink him? Well, that one's unconfirmed, so we may never know whether it's true, but there are real ways in which people and animals will endure the extreme in the name of getting high. I talked to Robert about some of the strangest substances he's tried in the name of researching his book, and we unveiled the animals who are in desperate need of an intervention. Uh, Robert, I have a hypothetical question for you that might be upsetting. Okay. What if we could have booze in a pill, in like a, a synthetic booze, or even just a drink that's synthetic, like in Star Trek where they have oh. synthahol? I knew it. I knew that's, it. That's one of the, I love Star Trek The Next Generation. It's a magical show, but it has a lot of dumb things. Right. And the dumbest thing in the yeah. show, other than that time Riker and his dad fight in weird-ass future gladiator suits. Oh, I love dad fights. Oh, that's such a bad episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, is synthahol. Mm. It, what? It just sounds like nonsense, the way they mm -hmm. showed it. It's just alcohol that you can decide to be sober well, from? Well, no. So it's alcohol that has no bad effects. So you can't get alcohol poisoning. You can't get, like, too drunk. Uh, you can't get cirrhosis of the liver. You know, I guess you won't. So what does it do? How do you? <laughs> I don't know. Like, it prevents you from drunk texting your ex a bunch of wiener pictures or something. I'm not sure. That's not a future I want to live in. <laughs> but... I mean, like, you sound like a, um, I don't want to say Scotty because I feel like that's no longer correct, but, you know, he was like uh, he, the transporter guy. Yeah, yeah, Scotty. Scotty, from, okay. From the original series. Okay, yeah, yeah, he yeah, was, yeah, yeah. He was drunk all the time. Yeah, and like, and he was in the TNG, the next yeah. generation, and they were like, here's some synthahol, and he's in his Scottish brogue. He's like, no. Well, he was so pissed. Yeah. Yeah, because it's it's garbage. It's, I cannot it's... drink this nonsense. That is such a bad Scottish Yeah, accent. that was a clearly Russian accent. <laughs> I can't help it. My conditioning. So you're, you're not on board. And I wonder how many people would be on board with synthetic alcohol. No. It's, okay, if you want to see how people would have to cope with being in space for long periods of time. Yeah. Look at how they coped with being at sea for long periods of time. And the answer to Having both- Having sex with manatees? One, that's one. Right. It's one part. You're gonna need to bring some manatees into space for fucking. Yeah. But number two is rum. Mm. And I just, I don't buy a future well, space a, navy without rum. That's just a vehicle for sex with the manatee, rum. Well, okay, so the British Navy was famously able to function because of rum, sodomy, and the lash. So right. Star Trek The Next Generation, you've got the sodomy lockdown. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's just clear looking it's at implied. the way, just Data and Geordi look at yeah. each other. Uh, but rum is missing, because Synthahol's not going to fill that hole right. in their hearts. Right. And neither is uh, Picard's flute playing. It, what is it about real alcohol? Like, if, it, if the taste is exactly the same and the effect, the pleasant effects are the same, but you just can't get the negative effects, is it, is it just because, like, without that risk, it's just like, it's, it's just too fake? It's, it'd be like, it's like bowling with the guardrails up. 
where you get a strike, but it doesn't feel good. Well, yeah, the most fun things always involve some sort of risk right. of them ending terribly. Right. Um, which is why people love to ski. Like, it's exciting and you can die. But yeah, so like, if alcohol can't hurt you, then it's less exciting. But also, like, I don't know, I feel like th- these, the lame future people in Star Trek The Next Generation say right. it's it tastes the same, but I feel it's the yeah. same as like going to a party and like someone handing me a mocktail and being like, yeah. it tastes just like a whiskey sour. And like, yeah. no, it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> this is just lemon juice. What if we, what if we spice up the deal and say that this, this synthahol also somehow simulates the experience of sex? What? Yeah. Well, like, like, did you, I miss an episode? No, 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 no. Well, maybe, but like, you know, like in Futurama, that episode where everybody's having sex with robots and then the human race goes extinct. Yes. Do you think if we had sex in pill form, that would happen? I mean, that's the best case scenario for the yeah. human future. Well, we'd go out with a lot of fun and then we'd stop harassing animals. I feel like our, our best case scenario is we invent a, a, a super intelligent AI that's self-sustaining, and then it gives us sex pills and discards us like a cocoon. <laughs> that's that's like my hope for the future of our race. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's such a more, that's that's like a really humane way for the robots to take over. Like in the Matrix, just have a sex Matrix. We would have, nobody yeah, would have left. Matrix. Nobody like somebody wakes up and he's like, no, yeah. why would you fight against this? No one would try to wake up from the fuck Matrix. Yeah. <laughs> No, you're totally free to leave, but like you got to pay taxes and stuff. I'm like, right. nope, nope, back to the fuck matrix. Right. Yeah. Well, so this is not just pleasant hypothetical um, meandering. Uh, you know how insects they like to drink booze. Uh, there's theories that they it helps with their spermatophores, which are these like protein capsules that they transfer along with their um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, protein capsules. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. So they, they transfer it to the female along with their sperm during copulation, and it provides nutrition and drinking booze, you know, like gives them some kind of nutritional boost, like you were saying earlier. Uh, and so they think that maybe that's why. But uh, they found that so these researchers made like this synthetic booze sex thing it combined, like it both replaced sex and booze for these fruit flies. So when (laughs) male fruit flies are sexually rejected, they will turn to booze more often to heal their emotional wounds. And Like uh, all of us. (laughs) And uh, the study just like following these poor like uh, unlaid fruit flies and seeing like how much they drink. And, you know, it's very, very relatable. But the, the crazy part is so they... Uh, suspected that maybe it was because um, after they have sex, they get this spike in neuropeptide F, and drinking alcohol uh, triggers that neuropeptide F, so it's the next best thing to actual love and physical contact. Um, and That's how I would describe alcohol. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then artificial simulation of neuropeptide F. So this is not alcohol this is not sex this is a crazy creepy science thing that they give to the fruit flies it stops them from seeking out alcohol um so it like replicates the rewards gained from either having sex or drinking booze so that these rejected fruit flies are like like once they get this neuropeptide f they they don't feel the need to drink 
Well, I mean, we're that's clearly inevitable that like science will figure out a way to with the push of a button and maybe the stimulation of a couple of chemicals make you as happy as you are in the the arms of a person you love or right. like walking through Disneyland as a 6-year-old with your parents back before they split up. Like, right. That's that's inevitable. It's going to happen and it's going to collapse everything that we know and either robots will take over or we'll just fuck ourselves to death. I didn't actually see that they did a study to see if giving them the neuropeptide F stops them from having sex. And I would really like to see that, especially if you do it to mosquitoes or something else we don't like, because then you we could like make animals go extinct even easier. Yeah, boy, that's one of those <laughs> like, yeah, I why not? Why not release it into the air? Like it could be like in Snowpiercer, how they like freeze the whole planet trying to fix it. What if we yeah. just flood the whole planet's atmosphere with this happy fuck chemical. Right. And everything just sort of goes to bed and dies. That sounds like a much nicer way than freezing the earth. It like, sounds like a much nicer way than what's going to happen otherwise. Right, right, yeah. right. Like maybe we could just have this fail safe like like here here's the fuck bomb like mm-hmm. like we're going to die anyways. Might as well have it be nice. Yeah, look, the world's got maybe 2 years left. We're going to set off the fuck bomb. <laughs> uh, it's it's fine. Yeah, and everyone's like, probably like at first, it's like, oh, but I want to live. But as soon as that fuck bomb goes off, it's like, oh, all right. You know what? This is fine too. This is fine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, and so here's the cool thing: is that researchers are starting to link neuropeptides to alcohol intake in humans as well. So we are so close to this fuck bomb becoming a reality. Um, That's always been the dream. Yeah, it is. It's it's the goal. It's what we have done from our earliest bone-wielding days to now. Um, and there is a champion of this cause, David Nutt, who... Great name for uh, a champion of any cause. Oh, he, he's he got the perfect name to be a contentious neuropsychopharmacologist. Dr. Nutt. Dr. Nutt. Mr. Dr. Nutt. Mm-hmm. Uh, he Okay, so he was on the advisory council on the misuse of drugs in the UK, and he was re- relieved of his po- position after he said that horse riding is more dangerous than ecstasy. Oh, this guy. Yeah. He's totally right. Yeah. I mean, he's 100% right. Because well, also, horseback riding is incredibly dangerous. Yes. <laughs> you can snap like a twig yeah. on a horse. We just get kicked trying to get yeah, on it and being that, dumb. That yeah. horse falls asleep. Falls on you, you're done. Mm-hmm. Your ribs smashed in. But the British really take their equestrianism. I don't know that. Equ- equestrian? Equestrianism. There we go. Yeah. I'm smart. I know words. Uh, they take it super seriously. And it was very offensive to them that they would make this unfavorable comparison between ecstasy and horses. But I loved in their comments about it how it was like, they were like, oh, this is such an, such an uh, you know, inappropriate comparison but they didn't like mention like that he was saying ecstasy is better than horses yeah it is better than horses yeah don't do drugs but also don't do horses that's that's what i'm gonna legally safely say anyways uh david nutt is studying benzodiazepines which yeah yeah, i knew you'd like it i'd love benzos yeah um so they're found in valium they sure are (laughs) And Valium's just lovely. It's and Valium is found in Mexico. <laughs> and in Mother's Coffee. Uh, <laughs> um, so he's seeing if he can replicate the pleasant effects of alcohol while avoiding the dangerous side effects. Um, 
And he's he's also saying that benzos can be switched off with an antidote pill, which would be so great for Russian pilots. Just like get real drunk on benzos, then turn it off before your flight when people get fussy. See, that sounds like the real synthahol. Right. Is not change alcohol, but just add a little switch inside people's heads. Right. Like, oh, I got to be sober now. Right. And then you're good. You should make it external, though, so other people can operate the switch. You can see whether or not, like, red light, green light. Okay, like, no, you got you to gotta switch off, man. Just remote controlled, like. Yeah, uh, I know you spent $40 on vodka shots last night, but you really got to, like, there's a plane to be flown. <laughs> So, Robert, this is my favorite part because I get to ask you, um, how far have you gone to test out getting high? I mean, in terms of danger or in terms of distance? Yes. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> it, in, in my book, one of the last cha- or the last chapter is about, there's this drug I read about um, on Cracked years and years ago called Salamander Brandy mm-hmm. that is uh, a local beverage to Slovenia. And Slovenia is a tiny little Balkan nation of like 200 or like 2 million people, something like a very, very tiny country. You can drive across it in two hours. Um, so they, they have this drink that's made from drowning a salamander Aww. to death in brandy. Or baby. Yeah, it's horrible. <laughs> it's, it's a horrible process. And the salamander, as it's drowning, releases a shitload of poison. And oh, no. according a guy named Blaj uh, Ogorevsi, who is like a Slovenian, Slovenian Hunter S. Thompson is kind of mm. how I would describe him. Okay. Um, he wrote an article in the 90s for a magazine called Mladina about his experiences on salamander brandy and mm. claimed that it caused spontaneous, uncontrollable sexual attraction to inanimate objects. That he wanted to fuck trees on it. Like it just got him so lit that he like couldn't stop like trying to get his hands on a local tree. I mean, it's a belief of this podcast that trees are very sexy. Well, then you would agree with this brandy. Yeah. Or at least the mythical the brandy reputation. would agree with me, it sounds yeah. like. Well, maybe, maybe not. I mean, I traveled there and I spent like eight or nine days trying to track down salamander brandy. Mm. I went all over. I found a bunch of different brandy makers and saw their stills and I drank a lot of terrible Slovenian, like I had cumin brandy, which is unbelievably bad. Um, I had some very good honey brandy too, but like I've never had anything as bad as cumin liquor. Oh, that sounds so bad. They kept giving us free bottles of cumin liquor and we were like, what do we do do with this? Because they're trying to get rid of it. Yeah, because it's the worst idea anyone's (laughs) ever had. Um, But I couldn't find the salamander brandy. So I headed home and I learned as I was like, desperately trying to find someone who brought some of this stuff to the States and who could maybe get me some. I found out that you can just buy the kind of salamanders Mm. that they have over there. And so I had one delivered to my door and they sent it to me within like 48 hours. Was it alive? Yeah, yeah. Like a live little sound. Well, no, okay. So I was like, I'm not... (laughs) I love amphibians and reptiles. Yeah. I've had them since I was a kid, frogs and turtles. And I was like, I'm not going to murder a little animal oh, to get drunk. Right. So I got them. I set them up in like a cage and mm-hmm. everything. Like I got them like a good habitat. And I let it give them about 30 days to settle in. Uh-huh. And then once every three days, I would I would wash off a pair of non-latex gloves. Okay. Um, and I would pick him up and I would massage his poison glands Aww. until he secreted poison onto my hand. Yeah. And then I would put him back in the cage. I'd let him rest for a couple of days and then I'd do it. And I did that like a dozen times yeah. until I had uh, – oh, and I, I would wash the gloves off with, yeah. with liquor. Um, and then I simmered it all once I had about a pint's worth. Mm-hmm. And then I drank all of that in the course of, I don't know, 20 or 30 minutes. All right. 
And I didn't feel spontaneously attracted to animals, but it almost paralyzed my legs. Like I couldn't walk oh for God. a while. Like I was, I was like wobbly fourteen or fifteen hours later. Oh, um, I had like terrible motor coordination. Oh, it was just no. like, like, and there's some paralytic agents inside the poison. So I was like, okay, maybe that's what was going yeah. on. But that's I, yeah, yeah. I don't want to endorse this, but I feel like maybe if you had drowned the salamander, maybe you would have been attracted to inanimate objects. Like, you didn't do it right. So. That's that's possible. <laughs> I, I I can't confirm that because I wasn't able to find any of it. Yeah. Um, Not like you could walk towards, like, the chair you were suddenly interested in. Yeah, if I'd wanted to fuck the chair, I probably couldn't have made my way over right. to it. Um, also, was it pleasant or, like... No. I don't know, because she didn't kill it. <laughs> yeah, no, he's still alive as far oh, as I know. I gave right. him to a biology student at a local university, wow. so he, he found a good home. Oh, that's great. Yeah. He's like a biology student of, like, like dissections. I mean, it's Humboldt State, so he's probably a hippie kid. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so so it wasn't pleasant. and I wouldn't say so. Were you in danger? Like, do you think it could have killed you? I mean, maybe if I'd had more. Okay. Uh, it certainly wasn't good. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't recommend it to anyone. Yeah. So don't don't do salamanders. Don't do horses. Maybe, but you didn't hear it from me. Don't do wink ecstasy. But don't seriously, don't do it. Legally speaking. So what's a rat parent's worst nightmare? It's not drug pushers, it's scientists. There are tons of studies that look at the effects of drugs on rats, with the hope that it may treat human addiction. But these dastardly drug lord scientists haven't been able to offload their drugs on non-mammals until just recently. Neuroscientists at the University of Scranton have gotten ants addicted to morphine. The study's senior author, Mark Sade, says, we can addict individual ants and see how that affects the ant's social network, which is somewhat like humans. The study found that after developing an addiction to morphine, the ants even preferred it to sugar, and ants are like crazy for sugar. Then, because the study wouldn't be complete without a torture porn element, the researchers removed the ants' brains and measured higher amounts of dopamine. And dopamine indicates a similar response in ants as in humans to the morphine. Not content to stop there, the next step in their research is to see if they can tear apart the fabric of ant society by introducing a morphine epidemic. We need to take a quick break to hold an intervention. In the meantime, here's a message. Back soon. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old. Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed, and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. 
Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry, though. He's fully recovered. (sighs) Good one, Dad. (sighs) Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon, and it saved me a lot of dough. Well, the truth is, Dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So my favorite song from West Side Story is Officer Krupke. I remember it being shown in a history of psychiatry class. It was meant to illustrate how mental hygiene and juvenile delinquents had entered the public consciousness. But is there truth to the idea that young people are more susceptible to being troublemakers? Can we find examples of young punk animals? Robert and I discuss the science on whether the kids are alright, and we find a rather literal example in the wild of the Jets versus the Sharks. Except it's otters versus the sharks, and spoiler, the sharks usually win. And we are back. Um, So Robert was just telling me about how salamander juice booze was not a fun time. And like, I feel worse for the the salamanders that get drowned to make the booze, but it's also a little bit strange, I feel like, for that salamander to just get like massaged for his juices. Yeah. I mean, like, it, it sounds kind of okay but also just like just a little like did he make eye contact with you ever and was it like super awkward he certainly didn't understand what was happening right he's a salamander right Um, (laughs) but you know i don't know it's one of those i'm not going to claim that like it was an act of of goodness to massage him for his poison um it was necessary for science I mean, it affects me on a deep personal level because when I was a kid, I read this book called uh, Chocolate Fever where the kid eats so much chocolate, he breaks out in a chocolate rash and people are trying to lick him and like dogs. That's horrible. Yeah. And dogs like chase after him trying to lick him, which is really horrifying because first of all, chocolate is poison to dogs. Were they suicidal dogs? I don't know. I think dogs just love chocolate and they don't know any better. So. 
So it's like dogs are chasing him, but if he lets them catch them, he gets mauled and the dogs die. It's the worst thing. But that book, like, gave me nightmares, just the idea of, like, someone like, wow, your skin looks delicious. I'm going to lick it. And so I feel a lot of sympathy for your salamander, but also uh, for toads because, you know, the whole toad licking thing, it's not it's not purely an urban legend, although there are aspects to it that are sort of apocryphal. But, like, yeah. you can get high from licking cane toads. Well, not from licking them. You got to scrape the poison off yeah. and smoke gotta, it. You gotta, yeah, you got to. Well, you can't you can chew on them. You can suck on them and get it. I, I'm pretty sure. I've, I've never heard that, but you may be right. Well, I'd always heard you had to. It's like D, it's a DMT that's in there, right? Right. Yeah, it's 5-MeO DMT, I think. Yeah. And I, I'd always heard that you had to um, you had to get the poison and then you had to dry it and then you would like basically smoke it in a crack pipe. That may be true for humans. Um, for dogs, they they just go go full ham on that toad and just start chewing on it. Sweet. <laughs> so in um, in humans, it's not really that big of a problem. Like teens aren't doing toad pods. They're just like. Uh, you know, there's a professor of tropical and emerging infectious diseases, his name's Bart Curie, who claims that there have been a lot of deaths in other parts of the world from people trying to use cane toned venom for recreational purposes. And he's doing research into like how snakes are able to survive it and for a possible antidote. But that's not, I think that's probably what you're saying. I don't think that's toad licking. I think that's, that's, they're just using the venom and processing it. Um, but there aren't any. There haven't been any deaths in Australia from yeah. from cane toad licking. Uh, but there have been deaths in in dogs because they will. They love them. They they like. They just pick them up in their mouths and they start like chewing yeah, on them. Yeah, it's and, a slow fat treat. <laughs> and they get super high. And I mean, it's sad because there have been fifty reported dog deaths a year in uh, Australia. But like. There are some more lighthearted ones where it's like there's this family whose dog lady was caught sucking toads all the time. And they said, and this is a quote, we noticed lady spending an awful lot of time down by the pond in our backyard. Then they say, she finally staggered over to me from the cattails. She looked up at me, leaned her head over and opened her mouth like she was going to throw up. And out plopped this disgusting toad. She had the whole toad in her mouth? Yeah. But they're big, right? Yeah. They're like sizable toads. Oh, yeah. Cane toads are big. They're, ma- they're like the we- size of a large, well, they're bigger than a rat, I think. Do we have a picture of this lady's mouth? This is a dog named oh, Lady. Oh, 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 oh. Sorry, that- Sorry. No, no. This is a dog named Lady. Gotcha. Named- gotcha. Dog gotcha. named Lady. Okay. Then that, then that makes total sense. <laughs> This lady just like yeah, <laughs> spending a lot of time by the pond, shoving entire toads in her yeah, mouth. Yeah, that's what I imagine it like a t- almost Twilight Zone thing. Where this like woman walks up to you from your backyard, and you're like, "Is something wrong, ma'am?" And she's <laughs> oh, God. Just a giant toad oh, pours out of her like face. That sounds like a David Lynch thing, and I don't like it. Oh yeah, that does sound like a David Lynch. <laughs> David Lynch. That film. was in fact in the new Twin Peaks, like that frog thing crawls into that chick's mouth. Ugh. I haven't watched any of the Twin Peaks. David Lynch, you stinker. I have. Um, I drink his coffee sometimes. Really? Yeah, David. He has a coffee. David Lynch. Brand? It's called David Lynch Coffee. No. Yep. Is it like 
weird with vague references to Native Americans. I, it's just good coffee. I think David Lynch just likes it's coffee. Damn and good coffee. Has a coffee. <laughs> <laughs> so, fugu fish, Robert. Oh yeah. You ever tried it? Uh, no, but I watched the Simpsons episode. Yes, mm-hmm. I believe we all have. So there's the episode where Homer eats the the fugu fish, which a fugu fish is a puffer fish, and yeah. they're extremely toxic. But parts of the fish are very good sushi. And uh, in the episode, which is racist, it is a racist episode. Thanks the Simpsons, like the the chef is just like some intern and he doesn't know what he's doing. Well, because the other chef's getting laid in a yeah, van. Yeah, by Mrs. Kabopel. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's not racist. Um, that's beautiful. <laughs> well, that part's not racist. No, having sex with Kabopel is, is just a natural thing. Yeah. But like, um, uh, so in the, in the episode, he may have eaten it, but they're not sure because this inexperienced chef prepares it. And so the doctor's like, you probably have only 48 hours to live. And... Uh, but that's just that's not how it works. I mean, people do occasionally die from it, but very occasionally. There, from two thousand and four to two thousand thirteen, there were only twelve deaths from eating fugu, and there's a treatment for it, which is you go to the hospital. They keep your respiratory and circulatory systems going until you can get the poison out of your system the natural way. Yeah, and then you're only what a quarter of a million dollars in debt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's great. I don't know how healthcare works like in Japan. No, it's gr- it's way better in Japan. I'm sure it is, yeah. Um, but it is scary because the toxin paralyzes you while you remain fully conscious and you eventually die from asphyxiation, being unable to breathe. So its method of action is similar to sarin gas. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool, but in a fish. That's hip. Yeah. 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 And But, you know, you can go to a hospital but there are no dolphin hospitals, and dolphins are having the reefer madness. Wait, are dolphins getting high off of pufferfish? Yes, that's fantastic. Yes, because it's like an, it's it's like living heroin. Mm-hmm. If you get high off of mm-hmm. it, it's likely because you it's just like a shoot ball it up. Of, it's like a ball of needles you find on the ground, and you're just like, ooh, this is a living ball of needles. I'm gonna rub up against it. So they like play a little dolphin volleyball with it, that's and then like amazing. And then researchers report seeing them lying around on the floor of the ocean in a catatonic state. Now, do we, I mean, first off, that's amazing to be the puffer fish in that situation. Because mm-hmm. I imagine if you're an animal like a puffer fish, that right. means instant death to anything that touches you. Yeah. You have a lot of confidence. It's yeah. like always having the Mario star that right. makes you invoke. And then like dolphins come into the picture. Like, what yeah. is happening? Oh, can you imagine like zorbing and like so the zorb is one of those big orbs that you go into and it's like this like inflatable ball that you're in the center of and then like having just like large marine animals like killer whales just like booping Wait, you around. Is that an option for life? I hope so. Make it zorbing? happen. It sounds like you're describing a dream. No, no. I I mean the zorb is real. I don't think having killer whales boop you around while you are inside of the Zorb is real. That feels like an oversight. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, Tesla, get on it. <laughs> so, yeah, that that does seem fun for both the dolphin and the pufferfish. Um, marine biologist Christy Wilcox uh, says she's skeptical that dolphins are intentionally dragging themselves, but come on. They're, of course they are. Come Fucking. on, Fucking horses get high intentionally yeah, Christy, on loco like, weed. Open like, your eyes. Yeah. I know they're your precious babies, but you know you got to have the talk with them. Like 
an animal doesn't have to be smart to want to get drunk, but we know that lots of, like, elephants will seek out alcohol and get wasted. Elephants will kill people to get access <laughs> to their wine. Um, so, like, dolphins are smart. Of course, of they, course. Are, they yeah. it's intentional. I disagree with you, expert marine biologist Christy Wilcox. I'm calling you out. Well, I feel like she might be an expert on <laughs> animals, but she's right. not an expert on getting wrecked. Right, right. Yeah. That is true. You need to be both. Mm-hmm. Um, so she describes the pufferfish toxin as 120,000 times as deadly as cocaine, 400,000 times as deadly as meth, and more than 50 million times as deadly as THC. Although, wait, is THC deadly at all? I don't think it has an LD50, which is like the amount of it that you would have to take to die. I don't right. know if that's ever been determined, which is not to say that you couldn't. But yeah, I feel like 50 million maybe might do it. 50 million. 50 million pots. Of, of pots, yeah. 50 million of it. 50 million pots. <laughs> My questioning here actually is, okay, so she's saying that this poison is 120,000 times deadlier than cocaine mm-hmm. and 400,000 times deadlier than meth, mm-hmm. which means is she sh- saying, now I'm not, I'm not a smart man, I'm not good at math, but is she saying that, th- like it seems like from her calculus then that she's saying that cocaine is a lot deadlier than meth? I mean, that seems to be what the math, Math is saying. So I have some questions right off the bat because <laughs> I, I I feel like first off, having done both of those substances, mm. like methamphetamine is a way more powerful drug, and I feel right. like it kills a lot more people than just cocaine. Now maybe if we're comparing it to crack, like they're on more of an even keel. <laughs> yeah. But maybe that's what she means. Maybe she's just too fancy to say crack. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I can't speak for marine biologist Christy Wilcox. Also, is it 400,000 times as fun as cocaine? I don't know. She didn't say. I would assume so, though. Like, in 120, <sighs> it'd be 120,000 times more fun than cocaine and 40,000 more fun than meth. Because cocaine's not very fun. Right. But I feel like 120,000 times funner would be right. really fun. She also says, and this I think is more in her wheelhouse, she says it's tens. Tens to hundreds of times more lethal than the venoms of the most notorious animals in the world, including the widow spiders and the black mamba. It's more potent than VX nerve gas, formaldehyde, or even ricin. It is quite literally one of the most toxic compounds known to man. Okay, but none of this is her talking about how how fun it is to get high on. No, of. she didn't say how fun it is, which makes me think it's really, really fun. Or is it possible that it's just like Dolphin chocolate, like so, like we t- oh, chocolate's yeah. great for us. Do- it's delicious, yeah. but dogs die from it. Maybe right. they're fine taking this shit, but Do- it kills everything else. Dogs is to chocolate is to humans as humans is to puffer fish is to dolphins. Yes. Yay. Yeah, I feel like that's probably yeah. what's going on. Yeah. Like they're just having the equivalent of a Dr Pepper. Yeah, hundred percent. But to us, it's instant death. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. I mean, she didn't say any dolphins is has died from this. Maybe they have, but yeah. I, she didn't say. I mean, I feel like we nailed this and should get the credit yeah. for, for that yeah. solution. Yeah, nailed it. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk to the teens for a minute. Let's talk talk to some Are teens. Are there teenagers here? Because I was not told that. No, 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 no. Um, why, why, why do you need to know, Robert? I don't, I don't <laughs> like teenagers. Yeah, well. I don't approve of them. Well, you know, the, don't do teens, teens. I Stop be teens. We should have an island for teenagers yeah. and then a country for adults. Yeah, yeah. 
Teen Island. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine how sick and rad it would be to be on Teen Island? I don't want to imagine. I just want them to be locked away. (laughs) Well, you know, so let's sell those teens, all that dabbing, all the Tide Pod, all the Toad Pod. Dabbing. Are we talking about the dance move? The dabbing. The dance dabs. The dance dabs. The dance dabs that that the Tenodgers like to do. What? The Tenodgers Tenodgers. do do of the dab. So, like, we we think they're just idiots. And, I mean, like, scientifically, yeah, a little, a little bit. Yeah. But, like, we do overestimate their risk-taking, at least by one metric, which is that when the risk is of something known, like drugs or sex, they they overestimate how risky it is. So they think things, and God bless our sex education, um, but it, when they were polled, it was found that teens think there's a 60% chance of a girl getting HIV if she's having sex. Uh, which Ooh. is a little off because in the U.S. the lifetime risk for women is only one in two hundred and forty-one. So, I feel like that's as much an indictment of our mathematics classes yeah. as it is of our sex ed. Yeah, no, yeah, math, math and sex. I, my history teacher was my sex ed teacher, and like, oh, that sounds. Oh great. no, no, no! I'm sorry. My economics teacher was my sex ed teacher, and well, he would like. Pop in a John Stossel, and I'm like, are we learning about sex or economics? I can't tell. They're, They're both, both great. the same with yeah. John Stossel. <laughs> um, so, I mean, teens are big risk takers, but like when the outcome is unknown, uh, they are much more likely to want to take risks. And uh, also, um, while teens are still the biggest binge drinking demographic, the rates of alcohol consumption amongst teens have been going down for at least a decade. Um, That's good. Yeah. And I liked how the authors of the article was like, is it social media? Maybe. <laughs> I mean, it's like there's a lot of things happening right now that have never right. happened before. So right. you're going to latch on to any of those. But yeah. you could also be like, is it, is it Uber? <laughs> like, is it Tide Pods? Probably the Tide Pods. Tide Pods has replaced millennials are killing the alcohol industry with the Tide Pods. <laughs> um, so conversely, alcohol consumption has been increasing amongst the baby boomer demographic, uh, especially Good. especially for those who are educated and are women. So shout out to my smart old ladies yep. getting crunk. Well, it's safer for old women to get drunk than young women. I don't know if that's true. No, it is. It is. Um, it's safer to get drunk after you have had a kid. Oh, Because really? breast tissue continues to develop until oh. the point at which you get pregnant and developing... T- that's why you don't want kids to drink because oh. developing tissue is more likely to be affected. So you have a higher risk of breast cancer if you drink before your pregnancy as okay. opposed to starting afterwards. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, that I didn't know that. That's that's really interesting. I wish you hadn't told me that. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, none of it's good news. Um, well, that that is interesting. So they are, I guess they're just like, <laughs> it's time. It yep. is time. Just fuck it. <laughs> time for the uncorkening. Yeah. But I mean, teens are still, I mean, they still do drink the most. It's just, it, good. I think it is <laughs> good. Um, Slow them down a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. But like, like you know, like catch them up. Like my, my fine old educated ladies. You know, beat them, mm-hmm. take them down. No, I'm, I'm, I, I feel like anything that slows these kids. Look at them; they're all getting into yeah. politics now. We just gotta <laughs> slow them down. Yeah, yeah. Drunk protesting that mm-hmm. doesn't. Once you're, once you've had a few drinks, you don't feel like being politically active. No, that's what the NRA ought to do: is yeah. just give more money to whatever charity tries to get kids to drink. 
Be be the National Rum Association. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, so teen animals, I'm sorry to say human teens, are way more extreme than you. Um, so I I believe you wrote about this in your book, but uh, teen vervet monkeys love alcohol and they prefer it over sugar water. And there are stories about people capturing monkeys by offering them rum and molasses and coconut shells. Yeah. Didn't you write about this? I didn't write about vervet monkeys, but other monkeys have been found yeah. drinking too. It's yeah. like a monkey thing. They love they love to get lit. Yeah, and and like I just love that like these these old timey people would put rum and molasses in coconut shells, and like the monkeys get wasted, and they just like pick up the monkeys, and like yeah. the monkeys are like, "Dude, are you my Uber?" That's I'm gonna be <laughs> honest. That's almost certainly how we got AIDS. Oh, <laughs> it's God. just people getting monkeys drunk, and then. <laughs> One of them's not oh, quite no. drunk enough and bites you, and oh, then boom, no. fucking AIDS. Oh, I thought you were going in a way different direction. No. And I'm glad Oh, you hey, that's not cool. <laughs> um, so, uh, but, you know, the, so, you know, like, with these, like, stupid challenges, like, now there's the, the condom snorting challenge, which I... Wait, no, okay. <laughs> You're going to have to catch me up on this one. Well, I don't actually know. I'm, I am not a... A teen teenager, so I'm not really sure. Uh, I think it's like snorting. I think an unused condom. I don't know why. Is I, this? I don't know how or any of the details, or even if it's a thing, or if it's just Fox News being like teenagers. Yeah, I feel like there's two types of this thing, and one of them is like Oprah's lipstick parties where it's never happened, right. and like somebody just makes it up, and it's right. such a good story for salacious news. And then there's like Tide Pods where like two people do it yeah. for a laugh, and then it's like, oh, this is a, a craze that's hitting the country. Like, Anthony, Jason, stop it. Yeah. You two. But yeah. then everyone else gets the rap for it. Yeah. Well, so imagine, though, that, like, the new, like, Tide Pods is, like, teenagers going to a really, really dangerous part of the world, um, like, just, like, going to North Korea for spring break or something, uh, which I, I'm actually not sure how dangerous that is for tourists. I like, mean, if you do it legally, it's perfect, right. pretty safe, as long as you don't try to steal a banner. Yeah. Oh, man. But, like, if they went there and they are like, trying to like take down st- like graffitiing over statues putting like weird little mustaches on propaganda posters just like seeking out the most dangerous like active war zones that they can possibly go to and then snapchatting from it and it's just all these like teenage guys going like what's up snapchat here i am like sounds like there's some drones overhead anyways like and subscribe <laughs> I bet we could get Logan Paul to do that and also oh, solve our Logan Paul problem. Two birds with one stone. Yeah. I know some places we should send <laughs> Logan Paul. Um, so obnoxious. Yeah. I. It makes total... Like, dangerous stuff is fun. It's always right. been fun. And it's probably always... Like, that's why, that's why some groups of human beings left... Like, you look at, like, early human life and, like... Uh, Eastern, I think it was Eastern Africa, mm-hmm. where like the first people were. It's like it's nice. You got all the food you need. You pick it up. Like there's some animals you got to worry about, but right. like it's a pretty chill life. You only have to work a couple hours a day. But like some people are like, you know that place like across the ocean that always looks like it's stormy and cold and miserable. <laughs> I bet I bet it's cool. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I bet it's dangerous, and then chicks will be impressed. <laughs> 
Well, that's definitely how otters feel because uh, teenage otters like to venture into the triangle of death. Oh, boy. Which is so metal sounding. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just teenage boy otters, like like juvenile male otters who go to this triangle. And it is, in fact, a death triangle because it's full. It's in the ocean south of San Francisco Bay. It's full of great white sharks, strong currents, sharp rocks, and it's riddled with T. Gondi. Oh yeah, it's a murder <laughs> beach. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's the Death Triangle, and like uh, conservationists don't find adult otters. They don't find baby otters because the moms are like holding their little hands because otters are so cute. Mm-hmm. Um, but like teenage punk otters are going in, like male otters yeah. too. Apparently, the female otters are. Just like not having any of it, but like they're they're the only ones that the conservationists tend to find in this uh, in like the death zone. Yeah, it's like the otter equivalent of Vice News going out there, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, just like like we just went into this pool of sharks and checking out, and they're like in their like stupid little like like hipster uniforms. Yeah, so otters like to risk danger like the rest of us. Like, yeah. It's the same thing. It's the auto equivalent of joining the Marine Corps. Yeah, like Sharp Rocks and Sharks and yeah. T. Gondi. Yeah. Is that, is that the same thing that cats have? Yeah, it's the thing that rats get that makes them like cats. Ah, oh, so that's fun. It is fun. Yeah, that would be like the thing to do if you could go back in time to like really upset the, the military history is just like airdrop a bunch of cats. <laughs> On the like the Mongols, and then be like, oh, they can't fight so good no more. Didn't some group of people do the thing where they strap bombs to cats? Like, I think we've tried to weaponize cats a few times. The U.S. tried a thing where they wanted to strap bombs to pigeons and Mm. drop hundreds of thousands of pigeons on Tokyo, and then the pigeons would hide in houses and ignite. But then we figured out a nuke, and that was easier. Oh, that's. Yeah. Worse, but the other one's pretty bad too. I mean, there's they're morally different because like one of them involves murdering a bunch of animals to murder a bunch of people. Right. And one of them is just murdering more people for a longer yeah. period of time. I would still have to say the non-pigeons one is worse, which sounds really bad because the first one is still, they're both bad. It's not a contest. Yeah, but only one of them would get protested by PETA. Oh, <laughs> harsh but true. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I mean, I thought someone tried to do, like, a surveillance with cats once, too. Like, I mean, they may have. And then, like, the cat just, like, immediately got hit by a car. I feel like any plan that involves a cat doing a thing <laughs> that is not whatever the cat wants right, to do right. is not a good plan. No, don't invest your military yeah. bucks into cats, guys. Yeah. How should we go about dealing with human teens? Is there a way to curb their risky behavior? A lot of our culture seems to believe in scaring the crap out of kids to get them to stop risky behaviors. Terrifying PSAs or movies like Red Asphalt. With the goal of showing so much gore and terror, kids will be too scared to do anything stupid. But does this actually help? Researchers looked at Scared Straight, a prison visitation program meant to frighten young people away from engaging in criminal activity by showing them unsettling consequences. But not only did the program fail to reduce the numbers of juvenile offenders, it actually seemed to increase them, ranging from 2 to 5% across a number of studies. So what can adults do? 
One study suggested that open communication with parents reduced the amount of sexual risk-taking in teens. So as uncomfortable as it is, a frank, honest discussion about the birds and the bees might be the only way to go about it. Speaking of birds, scientists created some daredevil finches in the lab. They bred a line of finches who naturally produce more cortisone, which is a stress hormone, in response to startling situations. These high-level stress hormone birds took greater risks and were bolder in exploring new environments to find seed. The scientists would also test their braveness by startling them with food dishes that would snap closed and found out that the hero birds weren't so easily scared off. So let me get this straight. Scientists have created fearless birds whom they've repeatedly tormented, thus giving them a motivation for revenge. Uh, let it be known that I've never done anything to betray birdkind and will gladly offer bread in exchange for my life. So Robert, is there anywhere we could follow you? You can find me on the Twitters okay. at uh, at I write okay. Um, that's my Twitter, okay, two letters. And you can find my book on Amazon. It's called A Brief History of Vice, and you can buy it and be my friend. It's really, it's really great. And also check out Robert's new podcast. Uh, oh yes. By this, I don't know when this episode is coming out. It might be, it might just everyone's heard of it and er- everyone loves it. And I just sound like a real lame. Like. I mean. Fingers crossed. But uh, my new podcast is Behind the Bastards. It's going to drop May 1st. Uh, there will be a new episode every Tuesday. And yeah, we talk about stuff like, uh, like I said, Saddam Hussein's romance novel career, uh, the mysteries of Osama bin Laden's porn stash, uh, <laughs> Hitler's favorite young adult author, and uh, just a bunch of other wacky shit about the worst people in history. I'm so, so excited. Behind the Bastards. Oh, man. I'm, I'm so at Bastards Pod on Twitter. We're all, all around the internet. It's going to be great. Uh, so you can follow me on Twitter. Um, I am at Katie Golden, and I am also at Pro Bird Rights, which is my bird sona. Um, and uh, you should do that, please. Spitting some hot fire about bird truth. Yeah, speaking bird truth. Speaking bird to power. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much for listening. If there is next Wednesday, please join us again. Hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. 
Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.